Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Josh Davis explores the miracles of Jesus, and we have a sneak peek at the brand new issue of the Prophecy in the News magazine. Next month, Southwest Radio Ministries and Watchmen on the Wall will celebrate 90 years of proclaiming the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. The entire month of April, we'll have special programs from our radio vault, exciting announcements about the future of the ministry, and a unique and special opportunity to support the ongoing work of SWRC. Please be in prayer as we prepare to celebrate God's faithfulness for the past 90 years and prepare to continue to meet the mission of bringing clarity to the chaos. If Jesus were not the God he claimed to be, he would be a sinner. He intentionally performed miracles on the Sabbath to force us to decide if he is a sinner or the God he claimed to be. Staff evangelist Josh Davis unpacks this further and looks at the miracles of Jesus. Is Jesus a good man if he is not God? Jesus made some audacious claims in his day. He claimed to be able to forgive sins. He claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. If I came to you today and I started to make those kinds of claims, you would think I was crazy. You would think I was a liar, and you would be right. But the only way Jesus could make those claims and not be sinless is if he is the one who he claimed to be. And we see there is a close connection between the miracles that Jesus chose to perform on this earth. There's a linkage between the miracles and the message and the morality of Jesus. Jesus would not be a good man. He would not be a good moral teacher unless he is the very God that he claimed to be. And Scripture bears out these truths for us. And so today, I want to look into Scripture and to see exactly how we see this on display in the life and the ministry of Jesus. How are the miracles, the message, and the morality of Jesus inextricably linked together? If Jesus can produce a genuine miracle then he is accomplishing an act of God, and therefore he is verifying his claims to be God. Across the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see over 30 miracles that Jesus performed during his earthly ministry. And while each of these 30-plus miracles deserves its own study, we would have to spend days and days and days looking at that. But I want to show you a couple that inextricably are linked together with the miracle, the message, and the morality of Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't come just to be a miracle worker. He didn't set up shop and just sit there hour after hour, day after day, healing people. There were people who were not healed by Jesus. There were people whom Jesus did not raise from the dead. There were people whom Jesus did not cast out the demons. Why not? Why did he choose just a select few? 
It was because he was demonstrating his authority through those miracles. He was verifying that he is God in the flesh, that he is the Messiah, as the Old Testament prophesied hundreds of years prior to Jesus' life and ministry. And he was showing that I am the fulfillment of those scriptures. That's the function of the miracles. And strictly speaking, a miracle is something that only God can do. A miracle is not a magic trick. A miracle is not an act of God's providence. A lot of times people will claim that an act of God's providence is a miracle. Strictly speaking, a miracle is a violation of a natural law. For instance, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the natural law says that we will die and we will stay dead. But Jesus totally reversed that natural law by bringing Lazarus back to life in John chapter 11. And so we see that a miracle, a genuine, authentic miracle, is something that only God can do. It cannot be duplicated by the devil in any way, shape, or form. And so by doing the miracles that Jesus did, he proved that he had authority over every single realm of existence, life and death, Sickness, disease of all kinds was under his authority. Nature is under his authority. The spiritual realm is under his authority. Every aspect of life is under the authority of God. And Jesus doing the miracles that he did revealed to his followers and to others who would witness these things that he has that same exact authority as God himself. And Jesus was using these miracles to show us that he is God. Let's look at how the message, the miracle, and the morality of Jesus are all linked together. For instance, in John chapter 5, we find an ill man that lay debilitated for 38 years. And as the years are rolling on, his hope and his health is deteriorating as well. While Jesus was in Jerusalem, he initiated a conversation with this hurting man. And after the brief conversation, Jesus tells him, rise and take up thy bed and walk. Jesus' words to this man have tremendous power. Jesus tells him, and notice what Jesus says to him. Immediately, the man was made whole. He took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Isaiah had prophesied in the days of the Messiah that the lame would leap like a deer. So Jesus is fulfilling in this prophecy here in Jerusalem, and it's on the Sabbath day. That's very important. We've got to keep that in mind. The fact that this happened on the Sabbath started a major controversy with the Jewish religious leaders. When they saw the healed man carrying his sleeping mat on the Sabbath, they reminded him, it's the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. So the Mosaic law had established certain guidelines for Israel to observe on the Sabbath day. And it was one of the Ten Commandments established by God for his people in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. But as the years progressed, the religious tradition added several burdensome rules to tell people how to properly keep God's Sabbath commandment. And one such man-made rule was the basis for their contention with the healed man carrying his sleeping mat. 
One author said it this way, the Jews' rigid tradition, not based on the Old Testament, but their rigid tradition, taught that if anyone carried anything from a public place to a private place on the Sabbath intentionally, he deserved death by stoning. In this case, the man who was healed was in danger of losing his life. So this healed man blamed Jesus for telling him to carry his sleeping mat. So the religious crowd refocused their ire on Jesus, and they sought to kill him for doing this on the Sabbath. And Jesus didn't back down an inch, and I love that. He told them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. There's a mouthful in just a few short words from the lips of Jesus. And if we miss the claim that Jesus is making here, we miss the whole point of this narrative. Jesus is arguing that the Father continues to guide all of creation even on the Sabbath day. Although people need rest, God never runs out of energy since He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful and He is limitless. So God gave us the Sabbath to worship, rest, reflect on our relationship with Him. So Jesus claims that he's acting as God's agent by healing on the Sabbath. And on that basis, he is not violating the Sabbath laws. So in other words, the only way for Jesus not to be in violation of breaking the Sabbath is if he is truly sent by God as the Messiah. Otherwise, Jesus is guilty of breaking the Sabbath, and therefore Jesus would have been guilty of sin. Another author argues, so if God can continue to work positively in creation on the Sabbath and not totally rest, and if one can recognize that the works of Jesus are the works of God, then the question follows, why are not the works of Jesus on the Sabbath legitimate? The religious crowd gets even angrier at Jesus when he makes this claim. So this is what they do. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. That's John 5, verse 18. So they understand Jesus' statement as an attack on God, which would be an act of blasphemy. Do you see this? Jesus would have broken one of the Ten Commandments by doing this work on the Sabbath, and he would also be breaking another of the Ten Commandments through this act of blasphemy. However, Jesus wasn't claiming to take the place of the Father, nor was he claiming to be another God. He was claiming to be an agent. Uh, Think of it like this. He's claiming to be a representative sent from the Father to do his works in this world. And so we see that this miracle is tied together with the message of Jesus. And what follows in John chapter 5 unfolds a beautiful teaching passage from Jesus based on the miracle that he had just performed. He chose to perform this miracle on the Sabbath day on purpose to force this controversy out into the open. Some people say Jesus was not controversial. 
He was meek and mild. No, I believe that in John chapter 5, he chose to do this on purpose to force people to come to a decision, to force this controversy out into the open. Who is this man? Is he the Messiah or is he just an imposter? He is forcing us to make a decision just as he forced this first audience in the first century to make a decision about who he is. And so he used this controversial miracle as a springboard into a message that covers the remainder of John chapter 5. And in this message, he is discussing his unique relationship with the Father. And in this message, he's offering verification of all of his audacious claims that he has made up to this point to be able to forgive sins, to be able to heal and all the rest. Jesus begins his message by emphasizing his love-based, united relationship with the Father. He's not some rogue faith healer out here just doing whatever he wants to do. No, he reveals everything he does was entrusted to him by the Father. Even the divine responsibilities as life giver and judge have been entrusted into the hands of Jesus directly by the Father. So, for example, Jesus tells them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, truly, truly, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life in John 5, 24. So Jesus makes it clear in his message. He wasn't making these kinds of claims on his own accord. Rather, he is encouraging the crowd to consider other people who bore witness to his authenticity, like John the Baptist. He said there's a greater testimony than that of John the Baptist. Consider the miraculous works. Consider the Father. Consider the Old Testament scriptures as validation for his claims. This is what Jesus himself argues to this crowd in John 5. Look at verses 36 to 47, and you will see how Jesus is using the Old Testament scriptures, the Father, his miraculous works to verify his ministry and his claims to be the Messiah God. Jesus didn't expect them nor does he expect us to take a a blind leap of faith into the dark without any proof of his credentials. He points them to the God of the Word and also to the Word of God as validation for his claims. And that's what I am humbly attempting to do with you today, dear friends. So we see not only is the miracle tied to his message in John chapter 5, but we see this message leads to his morality. You cannot divorce these things one from another. You cannot say, well, Jesus was just a good moral teacher, but I don't buy all the miracle and, and all the claims to be God. I don't buy all of that. You cannot divorce those things from each other. And this is the point that I really want to drive home today. If you don't remember anything else that I say, remember that it's impossible to divorce the miracles, the morality, and the message of Jesus from each other. They all three go hand in hand. That's what I'm attempting to demonstrate today. So let's look at the moral side of this. We've looked at the miracle. We've looked at the message. Now let's consider the morality here and the linkage. 
And I hope that you see a clear connection between Jesus' divine claims and his morality in this passage. Jesus would be a sinful, rebellious, blasphemous lawbreaker who cared very little about insulting God the Father if he is not sent from the Father as he claimed to be. In other words, no one can with a straight face and with intellectual honesty claim Jesus was only a good man but not God once they consider the truths of this passage, John chapter 5. If Jesus is not God, he is not good. Friends, it's as simple as that. We have a second option. If Jesus is God, then he is very good. In John 5, 24, he freely offers eternal life to anyone who believes him. He promises them hope for the future, resurrection to eternal life. Notice John 5, 24 to 29. Could Jesus have been God and not given humanity such a generous offer of eternal life? Certainly, yes, he could. That would be within his rights. Yet he is so morally upright and so morally good that he is willing to give generously to people who do not deserve it. We see this time and time again. I mentioned that Jesus had some 30-plus miracles recorded for us in the pages of the four Gospels. And there are others that are very similar to this. In Luke chapter 13, we see that Jesus is teaching in a synagogue on another Sabbath, and he does almost the same exact thing. It's very, very similar to John chapter 5 in what Jesus is arguing and what Jesus is doing. He heals a woman who has been bound for so many years. And then as Luke 13 unfolds, he uses that to promote a message. And in his message, he argues about the straight and the narrow way and the broad way and people who were first are going to be last. People who thought they were right with God are going to be on the outside looking in because there's a synagogue ruler who gets so upset with Jesus for healing this woman in Luke 13 on the Sabbath day. Jesus says the first are going to be last and the last are going to be first. He said, this man is going to be on the outside looking in while the woman who was healed was touched through eyes of faith and believed in Jesus. And so we see that Jesus issues compassion to a hurting woman in Luke chapter 13. If he is not God, this miracle would be a deceptive trick, like a sleight of hand from some kind of a street magician. The morality of Jesus is woven into his heart. It's woven into the motivation behind his action. So we could only call this healing morally good if it's a genuine miracle. Otherwise, it would be morally selfish. It would be deceptive. It would not be compassionate. So Jesus is not only compassionate to the woman in Luke 13, he's also compassionate in his message of warning to those who opposed him, to those who were honoring God with their lips, but whose heart was far away from him. We have the false notion that it's unkind to tell someone that they are wrong, especially about issues of religion and morality. Is Jesus immoral for warning this group of people concerning the state of their souls? 
Absolutely not. If my kids wanted to play in the middle of a busy street and say, Daddy, we want to go play, please let us go play, would I be loving them to say, yes, go do whatever your heart desires. Fulfill your heart's dreams. No, I should warn them. I should protect them. In the same chapter, Jesus reveals his heart of compassion even towards those who reject him as he cries out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen does gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. You were not willing. God is compassionately sending messenger after messenger. He sends the Messiah, Jesus, and they even reject him. Jesus performed many other miracles that are recorded for us in the word of God. But the simple and bottom line is this. Jesus is only good if he is the God he claimed to be. Have you received Jesus as your Savior? Have you recognized him as Lord and God of your life? Thank you, Josh. You can read all about the real Jesus in Josh's brand new book, Fake Jesus. Part one of Fake Jesus examines questions like, is Jesus merely a myth? Who did he claim to be? How did he verify his claims? Is he truly God? Part 2 exposes fake Jesuses and answers why are these fakes and how can we find the authentic Jesus. Order your copy of Fake Jesus by Josh Davis when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Prophecy in the News magazine is an exciting resource to have in your mailbox. Each issue has unique insights into the headlines from the end times, as well as perspectives you'll not find anywhere else. Today, we're excited to welcome the editor of Prophecy in the News, Lise Cutshaw, back to Watchmen on the Wall to give us a behind-the-scenes look at the latest edition of this outstanding magazine. It's my pleasure to be talking with Lise Cutshaw about... The Prophecy in the News magazine, issue number nine. And so, Lise, welcome back to the microphone. Thank you so much, Dr. Hill. I'm glad to be here talking with you once again about what's news in Prophecy in the News magazine. The question is about the resurrection. What if the resurrection never happened? Josh Davis has written this article concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how did you come to have him take this kind of view? Well, it was actually a question that occurred to me as I was thinking about the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and how the angel Clarence takes George Bailey back to see the world as if He had not been born, and it really changes George Bailey's perception of his own life and of the world around him. And I mentioned it to Josh, who just finished writing the book, Fake Jesus, and it turns out that it dovetails a bit with a section in his book. And so he took on kind of my George Bailey-ish, what if the resurrection had never occurred, 
and has turned it into, I think, a really insightful and moving article to be the lead for this issue that immediately will precede Easter or Resurrection Day. The Eschatological Burden of C.S. Lewis is an article that's here by Reggie Weems. How did you get this, and where's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm a huge fan of C.S. Lewis, and I heard about Pastor Weems and his particular interest in C.S. Lewis. He's spent quite a bit of time studying and researching Jack, C.S. Lewis. So we talked a bit about his perspective on prophecy because apparently a lot of People, let's say theologians, question whether C.S. Lewis really was concerned with the end times, which is what eschatology is. And so Pastor Weems has shared with us his research on the burden that he feels like C.S. Lewis had for the end times and sharing his theological understandings of what we should be doing to prepare for the end times. We also are going to be taking a look at pagan traditions of the Easter season. It's going to be an excerpt, I have a feeling, from some of the works that we have in the library at Southwest Radio Church. Is that correct? Pagan traditions is indeed from the SWRC library. It's one of my favorites, and we have excerpt from it. Come Easter time, we thought that it would be good to look again at the pagan traditions related to Easter and let the readers decide whether those are things that they want to reconsider, including in their Resurrection Day celebrations, or whether they want to perhaps decide to change some celebration plans according to the pagan traditions or avoiding pagan traditions. Pastor Larry has a book review for us from Faithful Disobedience, Writings on Church and State from a Chinese House Church Movement. The main author is Pastor Wang Yi, former pastor of the Early Rain Covenant Church in Shanghai, or Shanggu, China, who is now serving a nine-year prison sentence in China for his work as a Christian. Much of it is this pastor's story and stories of the struggle going on in China for Christians. And in that, Pastor Larry Spargimino of Southwest Radio pastors a Chinese church He was very interested in this new book, and I I think will give us some great insights into the book and draw us into wanting to read more about it and know more about it and pay more attention to what's going on across the world from us. Indeed. Thank you for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. I look forward to talking to you again about the next one. Prophecy in the News magazine equips you with useful articles and insight written from a biblical perspective. Subscribe to Prophecy in the News magazine when you call 1-800-652-1144. 
That's 1-800-652-1144. Also be sure and order a copy of the brand new book, Fake Jesus by Josh Davis. Both Prophecy in the News and the book Fake Jesus can be ordered when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, we wrap up the week with historian Bill Federer as we learn about the real St. Patrick. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by simply subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.